0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Currently Not Tripping. Uh, Nick is not here with us today, so I am going to be your host today, Lee, and I'm joined with my friends Chris and special guest Yuri. Say hello, guys. Hey! Hey, everybody. Uh, Yuri, you want to give a quick little uh, intro to just you Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm your guest this week
1: uh, by invitation of my good friend Chris, uh, who I've been playing um, footy with uh, on and off again for the past past five years and watching Liverpool games with um, uh, on and off past five years. Um, in terms of any expertise here, I'm a proud three-time winner of a Saturday beer league Um
0: <laughs> I am
1: a, Chris can tell you, I am a poor amateur tactician that feels compelled to give uh, bad halftime talks in almost every rec game I play. Uh, and am a, um, I would say, pretty unhinged Liverpool fan on most Saturdays or Sundays. Um, I come from a fairly footy-obsessed family. Uh, my, my my Russian dad kind of instilled it at me from a young age. Um, and as for the World Cup, I'm, I'm always excited when these come around. Um, I just, again, going back to club football, it's very nice to watch football as a neutral uh, and not just be biting your fingers that your team isn't doing well. Um, but personally, actually, like the World Cup is is how I fell in love with soccer. I think the 98 World Cup is one of my earliest memories um, of, of watching soccer as a kid and just just lapping it up. And, you know, every four years when I see the tournament kind of gets those feelings going again um, and I see the game grow in America, which is always like uh, just a wonderful thing to see. so uh, so far it's been a pretty pretty decent one, I'd have to say.
2: yeah, yeah, we're glad to have you. Um, I'll say uh, one misstep that Yuri uh, may not know he made was he said uh, uh, we watch Liverpool on and off. Uh, we watch Liverpool together on and off. You better know damn straight that Yuri and I, whether we're together or not, are always watching Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. We are
0: uh, reckless diehard fans, as, as you're yet. So welcome. Uh, we're looking forward to the episode. Yeah, we might as well just change this to a Liverpool talk show now, but <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be for the future, right? Off World Cup season, this might turn into a Liverpool locker
2: room talk. Yeah,
0: there we go. Okay. So this week's episode is brought to you by. Samuel L. from Chicago, Illinois, who wants to remind listeners to be based. So I know that's a young person term. I don't know what it means. I had to look (laughs) it up. Um, But yes, thank you, Sam. It's time to be based.
2: For those of you uh, that don't know any of us personally, and you're just hearing our voices uh, uh, infrequently, once a week, twice a week, uh, now you know that we are not young.
1: (laughs)
0: so for this episode it's going to be pretty straightforward Um, we're going to recap the round of 16 we're going to talk a little bit about each of these matches and uh any insights we've gathered so far we're going to preview the quarterfinals after that and go into some more predictions and odds so you know the world cup group stage is a land of upsets but the knockout stage is where the best teams in the world assert their dominance and that's certainly holding true in this tournament Um, Why don't we just start off from the beginning, uh, the first match. Chris, do you want to take it away from here?
2: Yes, yes. I will say um, that holds true until today. There was one large upset, but we're excited to get into it. Uh, I'm going to go in chronological order here from how the games were played. Um, I will say that we are recording this on uh, the 6th of December, Tuesday night, so uh, the... uh, Uh, Round of 16 has officially ended at this point. We're reacting um, just hours after the final game of Portugal and Switzerland. Uh, But going back in time, a handful of days, uh, I am mixed emotions to start out talking about the Netherlands versus USA. So anybody that has been following our previous episodes, we're all rooting for USA. Uh, I think the majority of us and Lee can uh, fact check us here. We're. Uh, Pretty sure that uh, the Netherlands were going to go through. They have uh, incredible history and a European pedigree that the USA does not. But the USA had a lot of positives going into the game. Uh, Quick recap, first half goals from Memphis Depay and Daly-Blind, both assisted by uh, Dumfries, staked the Dutch to a lead that they would never relinquish. The U.S. pulled a goal back in the 76th minute through Haji Wright. And piled on the pressure, Dumfries added the clincher in the 81st minute to give the Netherlands some needed breathing room. Uh, The USA will now uh, look to 2026 when they will co-host the World Cup alongside Canada and Mexico, which, fun fact, will be the first World Cup that is hosted by more than two countries at once. Um, Three in this case. Uh, So personally, you know, this game ended three to one. I think that is a well-reflected scoreline. I think that the Netherlands, similarly to the USA, started slowly but through each game in this tournament, have been kicking it into higher gears. Unfortunately, the gears go higher for the Netherlands, and they arguably started at a higher gear in the first place. The Netherlands have qualities all around the pitch, when we were predicting even the group stage and previewing the teams, my question mark for the Netherlands was their attack Uh, at the time. Memphis Depay was a question mark due to a muscle injury. Um, He came out firing in this game and also uh, Dumfries big game for him scored and was involved uh, in both the other goals. I think uh, the Netherlands are, An awesome team. We'll get into predictions for uh, quarterfinals after this. Uh, They're looking like um, potential dark horses in the tournament. I would still definitely not rate them as a top tier this far into the tournament. But they're playing well. Uh, There's no doubt about it. So, um, uh, uh, again, sad to see the USA crash out. Good news. It's a young team. Um, They're going to come back even better next year, ideally with a better coach. I think uh, there was a little bit to be wanted, in my opinion, from Bearhalter. Um, But that is my opinion. I will seek Yuri's reaction and opinion to this game right now.
1: Um, Yeah, Chris, uh, agreed on on most fronts um, to sort of lead off. um, uh, This game kind of went the way that I I would have predicted it had gone, um, where, you know, Netherlands just hit us on the counters or very clinical in their chances. Uh, if you watch the game, I, I think Netherlands could have probably scored two or three more goals, honestly, if they had just been a bit more, even more clinical, honestly, um, we, uh, the United States, that is, I think we're undone by some of the things that, that, you know, we didn't do so great in this world cup. It's sort of very mixed emotions in that we have this, this great generational talent, um, and that, you know, played their hearts out and, and did show some some great positives. Um, but on the other hand, you know, they, they never this team never really had good second halves. Um, Bert Greg, as I call him, because his name bizarrely has three G's um, had just again, just a very odd lineup where he chooses to play. Uh, put Zimmerman, Walker Zimmerman back in the lineup after um, Cameron Carter Vickers had, had a great game before. Um, chooses to start, uh, Jesus Ferrara up front, um, who hadn't played a single minute in the group stage and arguably was the really backup to the backup striker, I would say. Um, and, uh, you know, a, 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 the other thing sort of to that end that, that kind of killed us in this world cup is we didn't have a great striking threat. Like we created some good chances in the midfield. Uh, we had some good movement with our wingers um, but we never had sort of a guaranteed goal threat. It always had to come from the wide areas or sort of a developed uh, a developed play rather than um, sort of feeding it to a striker or having someone who could sort of rack up the goals for us, and I think it showed in this game. Um, that said, um, Chris, I, I'm curious to, uh, to hear what, what sort of what your positives are out of this tournament and what you would say were the standout U.S. players because I, I, I have a couple that uh, spring to mind.
2: Yeah, uh standout US players. I mean, I look at I, I I look mainly at the defense if I'm being honest with myself. I think um we weren't largely we're not scored upon in the, the uh the group stage, which we had a pretty tough group stage. Um so you know, you're looking at um uh really dest, Serginho Dest on the right back as an excellent Defender and one of our deadliest attacking threats, ironically. Um, I wish we had him in a different position, but um, it makes a lot of sense for him to be there. Um, Ream uh, did a great job, along with Zimmerman, I think maintaining uh, in the back. Um, They're not top-tier defenders, but you don't necessarily have to be as long as you're communicating and well-organized, and I think they did as much. Um, Those are the standouts for me. Christian Pulisic, I don't think necessarily had a fantastic tournament. He showed up big in a game for sure. He had a clutch goal. I didn't see I wanted more from him. He's the poster boy. I think we all needed to see a little bit more from him. I'm also disappointed that I didn't see Gio
1: Reyna play play more. (laughs) That was a big disappointment for me. Yeah that that was baffling. The, there's sort of rumors ongoing of whether Gio Reina had some has some sort of beef with with Burhalter and, and what the background is there but the fact that you have a, a guy who plays, you know, week in week out for, you know, the second best arguably the second best team in Germany and he can't even get on the pitch for us is, 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 seems a bit baffling. Uh, for me, you know, uh, uh, Tim Reem in the defense, uh, I thought I thought had a had a very good tournament. Um, I thought our midfield actually was was superb, and except for the last game where uh, they got kind of tired, was superb, particularly Yunus Musa. I think he um, he plays for Valencia. For people that don't know, it's actually a big tug of war as to which country that he would declare for, because he is born to Ghanaian parents in New York, but has grew up in England. So England and America actually like, t- vied for um, who he was going to play for. and chose us I think he actually had a fantastic tournament and I think we kind of lagged in games when he started getting tired because he provided so much drive and work rate off the ball um, yeah I, I guess the, the one maybe the one positive of, of America uh, ducking out right now is, is maybe we get less Alexei lawless rants um, from from them on Fox sports maybe uh, although I say this having just heard him on a telecast, refer to a man named Gonzalo as Gonzo and continuing to keep this theme up. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we could be, we could be saved there. Um, Netherlands, uh, Chris, I, I echo your point. I, I think they're a great dark horse team. They know what they're good at. They're great on the counter. Um, they have um, these great runs from, from the wing backs that they killed us with, that they're g- going to kill teams with, that, that worked for them in the group stage um and after having a sort of slow start to the tournament they're they're really finding their footing um and you know they just they they know how they it's it's a it's i think a very big thing in international football um if and i mean club football in general too if you know how you play if you know your strengths uh it goes a long way and i think this this dutch team knows what they are yeah yeah i think it's a good synopsis uh sad to see
2: the usa crash out but Again, we had a young team, and it's going to look even better in 2026. So on to the next. Um, Arguably, uh, this is one of the games that I think should have had a higher scoreline based on expectations.
1: But, Yuri, what do you think about Argentina and Australia? Give us a recap and your thoughts. Sure. Um, so this game, uh, for those that didn't watch, it ended 2-1 with an Argentina win over Australia. Um, and so the, the game started out uh, with Argentina in control. Uh, Lionel Messi is playing his 1,000th career match, uh, and he scores, um, don't fact-check me, guys, I think it's like a 753rd, 759th goal, which is an absurd like goal return per game. Uh, and he scores the first goal, and actually like a pretty like amazing goal where he hits a free kick, It bounces. It comes down kind of to him, and he does a neat little 1-2 and then side-foots it basically into the corner and has Argentina go up 1-0. In the second half, um, Matty Ryan, the Australian keeper, decides to play out from the back um, and has a real nightmare um, and uh, basically gives it away to Argentina, and Julian Alvarez just has to do just um, not quite a tap-in, but a a fairly easy goal for 2-0. And then at that point, um, the game... Argentina seemed to be in cruise control. This was a game where I thought they really started, at least for probably the first 70 minutes, showed why they're the World Cup favorites. They had complete control, possession. They are basically playing keep away against Australia and just picking their moments on when they wanted to, to shoot and go for it. Um, but then Australia had a... Um, uh, A shot on the Argentine net um, that got deflected from what would have been a handball otherwise, um, but then it became 2-1 and then the game got a little bit nervy. um, And I think this is where we saw sort of the best and the the worst of this Argentine team on one hand, you know, um, in in, in cruise control, showing their quality, passing around, um, very pretty football. And on the other hand, once you know they're kind of on the back foot, very similar to that first Saudi Arabia game, they get a bit rattled and mentally a little shaken. Um, and Australia actually had a fair bit of chances to make it 2-2 toward, towards the end. Um, basically, again, through, through Argentina just, just not clearing their lines or Australia being able to play in a ball behind the defense. Um, what was kind of funny to me watching this game was uh, – Argentina while up to one actually could have buried the game multiple times. So had it gone to two, they would have been kicking themselves. Because I think Lautaro Martinez, um the player who plays for Internacional, who subbed late on for Argentina, he I think he like missed or or um just didn't make the most of at least like three or four clear-cut chances. Um but Um, I can say that they they, they scraped or I I think they deserved the winners, um, although with, with some angst um, and Argentina go through. Um, I would say in in terms of my reaction and opinion um, as for the the Socceroos, Australia, I I think they were probably the biggest surprise for me to get out of the group stage. I did not have them probably had them dead last in their group. Um, This is an Australia, Australia has, you know, it's not, it doesn't lack a football history. Um, but it's, it's certainly not as substantial as other countries and the tournaments where they've been, they've been good. They've had some, you know, some star players like like a Tim Cahill. I remember in 2006, uh, this Australia team actually doesn't have like any guys. They, they have some couple guys who've played in the prem. Um, but mostly a bunch of guys who are squad players for their teams or who play in lesser leagues. And it's really just an amazing achievement that they, they got out of the group and, you know, really gave it to, to, um, to Argentina. Um, I was really, um, really upset that probably my uh, favorite Australian player did not come on in this game. Um, They have a player by the name of Jason Cummings. Chris, do you you know what I'm going to say? You definitely can't see me, like, starting to smile right now. Uh, All Jason Cummings, who uh, I kid you not, and he has chosen this as a nickname, goes by uh, the nickname Cum Dog. uh, And so, unfortunately, we did not get to see him uh, touch the field at any point during this tournament. Um, which is a, a real loss for the footballing community. Um, you know, for the Argentina team, like I said, I, I think they looked very, very impressive for for large portions of this game. What was also impressive to me is the amount of depth that they have. Uh, they s- switch up their lineup, I think, almost every game. Uh, and so, for instance, in this game, they've been playing uh, Angel De Maria in the in the in the front of their forward three, and they put in Papu Gomez. Um, and arguably got even better, and this is it's trading strengths for strength. Um, but as I mentioned, you know this, this game shows a potential nervy underbelly. You know, if I'm if I'm Holland watching this, if I'm Louis van Hall watching this game and coming up with Dutch tactics, uh, I think I have, you know, some ideas um, and some, some sort of sense that Argentina can be rattled if if you put them under pressure. Uh, but curious to hear your thoughts, Chris. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic synopsis, Yuri.
2: I would say um, my reaction to this game as a whole is big kudos to Australia. Uh, They did a lot to get themselves here. They did a ton to get out of the group stage. Um, And they gave Argentina a good fight. I think, you know, if you're looking at the two teams in contrast, I would say Australia played a better game than Argentina did if if you're talking about their levels, right? Argentina have expectations to win this tournament. Um, Australia had expectations to get out of their group stage, period. Um, And Australia brought it to Argentina, and they took their chances. Not every single one, unfortunately. As Yuri, you noted, they had a couple that they, um, you know, could have taken advantage of. They were very close. And frankly, uh, based on the scoreline, right, they created their own demise through an unfortunate goalkeeping error. error. Um, This could have been one-to-one. Right, um, and uh, uh, safe to say, uh, I think Australia say uh, played incredibly well. Kudos to them. Argentina did not play that well. They didn't look bad. Um, they didn't look necessarily fantastic uh, based on their expectations and who they are about to go play. Uh, they need to step it up for sure. Messi proved his moment of magic. He'll do it again. Um, I expect to see him do something spectacular in the next game. Um, They need to be collectively more organized. And frankly, um, they suffer a little bit like the USA does from an in need of an attitude adjustment at times. Um, When they go down, when they get disorganized, it's tough for them to get back together as a group. You saw that a little bit. Um, I don't think they expected Australia to give them such a hard time. So yeah, um, sad to see Australia lose and go out. That's a massive underdog potential. They did awesome to get there. Uh, disappointing to see uh, earmuffs muffs uh, come dog not play. Um, but you can't get anything you want. So that that's that's my quick reaction to this. Um, but I'll I'll transition over to uh, uh, the, our our next game: France versus Poland. Uh, France score line here: France beat Poland three to one. I believe in. Previous episode's prediction, I predicted two or three to one, which is about right. Um, uh, Giroud is also somebody that I thought would play well in this tournament. He's playing even better because he's getting more playing time as Benzema uh, got an unfortunate injury at the beginning of the tournament. Um, He and Mbappe secured France's place in the World Cup quarterfinals on Sunday with a convincing three to one win over Poland. Uh, Giroud looks certain to open the scoring early as he arrived to tap in at a back post cross from Mouzman Dembele into an open goal, but he could not reach it in time. Uh, he would not be denied in the game as he rifled France ahead on 44 minutes with a superb turn and shot his 52nd for France and moving him ahead of Thierry Henry, which is a fantastic milestone. Thierry is an incredible player to become the country's all-time top men's scorer. Uh, Mbappe doubled France's advantage on 75 minutes with a powerful strike before adding another with a sensational curled finish into the far top right corner, his fifth of the tournament. Poland scored a late consolation goal through Robert Lewandowski. Uh, The Poland striker missed on his first attempt, but referee Jesus Valenzuela ordered for it to be retaken with Lewandowski scoring the second. Um, I'll say that that was retaken because the goalkeeper stepped off his line. We've now got some technology to help with that. And we knew that referees were going to be really eyeballing that coming into this tournament in the first place. um, Quick opinions and reactions on this. I predicted the scoreline. France have looked excellent throughout this tournament. Poland have not looked convincing. Um, Poland did well to get out of the group stage. I frankly expected more from uh, Lewandowski. Um, I think... He doesn't have a superb team around him. He is by far and away the highest form of individual quality on this team sheet. Um, There are a few others in there that shine bright, but um, you then go ahead and you look at Francis uh, roster and it's, it's hard not to look past that their individual and collective quality is outstanding. Um, They're, they have become, one of the favorites for this tournament, of course, going into the tournament, they had the World Cup curse. So a lot of people were maybe a little tentative to say that they were they were looking great for the tournament. You don't want to oust them early because of the curse. Um, they're coming close to breaking the curse, though. Uh, as a reminder, this curse is, um, you know, the previous winner of this tournament, not even getting a look outside the group stage, which they have successfully done here. Um uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how France do going forward, but wanted to see a little bit more out of Poland. France looked excellent. They could have scored even more. Now, um, yeah. uh, Yuri, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, no, I, I also agree on the on, on um, I, th- I think Poland, I, th- I think they substantially punched up, up above their weight in this in this World Cup. Um, I think they're kind of fortunate to get out of their group. So I think they had a they had a, a somewhat lucky game against Saudi Arabia. Mexico didn't have goal quality, and then they rightfully lost to Argentina. Uh, but I actually think they were they're quite competitive in this game until the, the French first goal, and then and then fell apart because you know as you noted, Chris, that they really don't have that great of a team besides uh, Robert Lewandowski and, and their keeper, uh, Wojciech Szczesny, who plays for Juventus in Italy. Um, uh, France, you know, they played sort of their, their the vintage game that if you've been watching for France in the last couple of years, in international tournaments, you know, great counterattacking, quick runs, just speedy, uh, speedy runs in behind the defense, um, mostly with Kylian Mbappe. Um, who was infuriated his coach during the game. Uh, he was playing actually kind of selfishly, didn't track back, and you saw a mind-during image of this game was Didier Duchamp, who was the, uh, the French national team manager, just screaming at him to get back. Uh, killing Mbappe he doesn't do it, and then scores a wonder goal like in four minutes after. Um, to, to tack on to your kudos, Chris, real kudos to Olivier Giroud. Um, I think you know five, six years ago, when he played for, for Arsenal in, in England, um, people sort of said, well, you know, he, could, he can score a couple nice goals here and there, and he does a few things, but he's really not that good of a striker. Uh, and I think he's just perennially underrated and every time that people sort of say, or oh, Benzema's better, or there's a better striker out there, and he shows his class, he shows his quality. Um, he might not be the quickest guy, he might not be the flashiest guy. Uh, but he plays uh, great team football as a striker and, uh, you know, rightfully gets the, the French golf ground record. So,
2: yeah, big kudos to him. I think I saw some kind of like hot take post on him a couple months ago where you like look at his actual trophy cap it and what he's achieved as a player is incredible. Yeah, he's gotten so many league trophies like all over the globe uh, at the international stage. He's won uh, more than a handful with France. Um, the interesting point that you made, uh, with the discussion point of being perennial is, uh, in when France won the world cup four years ago, he didn't score a single goal. (laughs) So he's doing a lot better this tournament. Um, kudos to him. Um, I think if he's given the right set of tools around him, he's, he's incredible. He can really, he's scored some creative goals in his day for
1: sure. Just to tack, um, to tack real quickly of that, Chris, it it, sa- it yeah. sounds like he's doing a horrible job if he doesn't score a goal as a striker. <laughs> but yeah. actually, if you, if you watch those games in 2018, he did all of like the dirty work for everyone around him to just score bags of goals. So even though it it seems like he's actually not doing his job, uh, if you watch the games, um, he sort of uh, sort of did the did the hard work so others around him can thrive now and now he's backing in the goals. So he can, you know, if you just looked on goals alone, you could say he's having a good tournament.
2: Yep. Yep. Yeah. You are exactly right. Um, good. So, uh, take us to, uh, England versus Senegal. Um, I
1: was happy to be watching this game with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cold, (laughs) cold Sunday morning. Um, and, um, or was it morning? Was it was afternoon. Afternoon, sorry. Uh in DC. Uh England won uh, against Senegal 3-0. England three Lions, Senegal, Le lion Um, so Lions against Lions. Um, and uh this I think is arguably England's best game of the tournament so far, probably even better than that 6-2 win against Iran earlier. Um they um sort of started off with a uh uh, a nice, uh, sweeping, quick goal where a uh, ball is played over the top. Uh, and Jude Bellingham uh, squares the ball to Jordan, Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson, uh, who scores the opening goal. Um, and then Harry, again, uh, Jude Bellingham, uh, takes the uh, takes the ball off a, um, a Senegalese midfielder and his own half, makes a driving run. Uh, plays off, I believe, the Phil Foden who passes then Harry Kane makes it 2-0, uh, and at that point the game's game's kind of done. Senegal, you know, I think had some had like a nice first 10 minutes. They had a handball shout um, that uh, the referee didn't credit, uh, and then the game is basically over in the second half when Saka sort of hits a a, a dainty um, a redirect goal um, into the net. Um, and this victory extends uh, England's all-time unbeaten run against African teams to uh, 21 in games, including uh, eight in World Cups. Um, you know, uh, just some, some quick reactions. Um, for Senegal, um, I think this tournament is a real what-if, uh, and the what-if being their, their best player, Sadio Mane, um, who plays for Bayern Munich and is um, several-time African Footballer of the Year, Uh, unfortunately got injured right before the tournament and you wonder if he was in that team how much better they could have done um because sort of to our point of other teams they had to look for for goals and game-breaking contributions um from players when he's he's their main guy quite frankly um for england um, this is sort of the best of this English team that English fans are screaming for them to play like. Um, a criticism of their manager, Gareth Southgate, is he sets them up you know, very conservatively, not to make a mistake. Um, whereas in this game, they, they played a bit more free-flowing. They're on the front foot. They're looking to attack. Um, their player of the tournament, undoubtedly, and this game showed it, is Jude Bellingham, the uh, Borussia Dortmund midfielder. Uh, the kid is uh, 19, I believe. Um, he is uh, responsible for for the, the first two goals. The first goal with an assist, and the second goal with this great tackle and driving run. Um, for just a bit of a bit of footy history, um, don't don't completely go to sleep yet. Um, every tournament, uh, England wants to have this great uh, heroic figure. In um, in the 1990 World Cup, it was this player Paul Gascoigne, who was a midfielder, um, who was sort of his the generational talent of England back then. And every tournament since, they've sort of looked for this Gascoigne type. Uh, and Bellingham is very much sort of fits that mold of this this extremely talented midfielder that drives the team forward. Um, and so it's uh, you know if if they play like like this against France it'll be a very like the way they did against Senegal against France it'll be a very interesting game i think
2: yeah my um that's a great synopsis my uh, reaction to this game was really uh just disappointment for senegal uh disappointed in them disappointed for them uh england i think played to the level that they have been playing um i frankly, coming into this tournament didn't kind of overlooked England. Admittedly, Uh, they've looked strong throughout this tournament. Um, They've got lots of goals and their defense uh, was has been more stout than I predicted. I thought that's where they would crumble. They've been holding up pretty well. You look back at the meme of Harry Maguire. He's actually been doing a good job um, uh, in the back line. (laughs) You know, I would say Senegal, to Yuri's point, they're missing their best player, they've done well to get to where they are. Uh, It shows that they're much more of a team than just Sadio, you know, dragging a nation up a hill. They've got quality across the field. England have, you know, you know, similar to our our last recap, much more quality on their roster. Um, Senegal, I think, will be a little little disappointed here not to get a single goal in this game, right? Um, I'd say... To Yuri's point, they look like they have something in this game uh, collectively until uh, really even when they went down, you get you get into the first half and you're like, well, you know, Senegal may still have a chance in this. It got to the second half and they just fell apart. Um, there. They had, you know, a totally different attitude towards the game. Um, you couldn't see them recovering after that. It was it was sad to watch, frankly. Um, I, I always, you know, I'm a big underdog, uh, fan would have loved to see Senegal see this for, uh, win this for many reasons, if nothing more than to just stop England from any further victories. Um, and especially at the world cup, because then we won't hear the end of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think kudos to Senegal for making it this far for sure. Uh, would have liked to see a little bit more out of them in the game, but you know what, you know, they had a little bit of a crush here. Sadio. As Yuri and I know, as a previous Liverpool player, is incredible. Uh, He will bring bonus quality, uh, added quality to any team. Uh, They were definitely missing him here. Um, So I'll move on to uh, next game, uh, Croatia versus Japan, uh, which is our first game to end up in penalties, Uh, not our last. Uh, Scoreline here. uh, So uh, Croatia end up beating Japan on penalties three to one in total. Uh, with a 1-1 score line tied going into penalties. So each team scored a goal prior to the penalties. Croatia progressed into the uh, QFs after winning um, on Monday. It was really, really hard-fought 1-1 uh, one, one draw uh, for both teams. I think both teams played incredibly. Um, Daizen Maeda gave Japan the lead just before halftime when he pounced following a deep free kick into the opposing penalty box. Uh, Croatia hit back through a superheader from Ivan Perisic on 55 minutes to set up a tense final half hour. Although neither side can find a winner inside 90 minutes nor in extra time. Uh, Croatia goalkeeper Dominic Kivakovic. Yuri, can you? uh... (laughs) Yeah, uh, (laughs) Dominic
1: Kivakovic.
2: Kivokovich, thank you. Uh, I, I knew I was gonna mishandle that one. Ex,
1: ex, excellent Slavic pronunciation, Chris.
2: Yes, yeah, yes, I'm excelling. Uh saved penalties from Takumi Minamino, uh Karumito Mitoma, Maya Yoshida <laughs> before Mario Pasilic. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just if it sounds like I'm just <laughs> sneezing over and over again, uh, scored to claim a three-to-one win on penalties and send them through. Um, Yuri Lee, feel free to uh autocorrect <laughs> throughout any of these.
1: I, I think I think you have to keep that in, honestly.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Um uh I would say in reaction, um I I wanted personally I wanted to see Japan win this game. Uh they look like they could win it. I hate to see any team lose on penalties. It's just such a poor way to lose a game. It's not a good net I don't think it's a a good judge or accurate judge of a winner to determine a winner um i don't know i'm not (laughs) i'm not smart enough to recommend if there's a better way uh but it's just tough to watch right it's it's totally different than watching a a free-flowing soccer game uh japan were incredibly well organized uh croatia have the individual and collective quality that we all knew they did Uh, their individual quality i can't express enough their creativity Their ability to just navigate through Japan at times is incredible to watch. Um, Excuse me. uh, Japan, uh, their counterattack was incredible. Um, You know, when they get the ball, Croatia are always immediately on the on the back foot. Any team is immediately on the back foot. They bring it to you right away. They play a little more direct. And they can be predictable at times. I think that's their downfall. Croatia have a little bit more flexibility in the way they play. Um, uh, You know, the penalties, I definitely predicted that. I think, um, you know, the first two that were saved, I was thinking to myself, geez, you know, Japan is going to hire a penalty or a free kick taking coach right after this tournament is done um that was if you did not see the penalties they were abysmal from japan um that's tough to watch um croatia on the other hand dispatched their penalties very well one was saved um you can't score them all um in the end croatia you could argue they deserved it i argue this is a tie but croatia are slightly more experienced have slightly more pedigree than japan in this tournament Uh, And just on tournaments at the world stage. So uh, Croatia, uh, kudos to go through. I think they're going to have a tough time after this. Um, You know, they made it to the finals last, uh, not last year, the last tournament against France. Um, So we all know their capability. They showed it here. Um, uh, You know, unfortunately, Japan, somebody had to take the L here. It was them. Uh, Tough to see them, uh, uh, you know, uh, die out of this tournament. I love that they were winners of their group stage. Um, but again, kudos to Croatia. Yuri, your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Um, again, uh, to, to tack on some of those points, I, I, I think watching this game, I had the sense when it went to penalties that Japan, the momentum was in their favor. You um, know, I mean, they you know it seems like towards the end of extra time that Croatia was really playing for you know for a draw to get to penalties whereas Japan they were just they were attacking they were pressing them i think they had the better moments arguably throughout the game um and it was just kind of this like weird bizarre reverse fortune where you know you think they they have the actual the momentum coming into penalties and they just fall flat you know as chris mentioned is some of like the poorest penalties I've seen at a world cup um where you know they neither hit it low, low into the corner. They don't fake out the goalkeeper. They don't hit them hard. It's these sort of, you know, half shots that are, you know, easily sayable to the goalkeepers left or right. And, um, uh, you know, I, I thought at various points in this game, the Croatia was for the taking It's sort of um, they Croatia had some very nice games in the group stage. Uh, I think this one, they they kind of look their age. They have a bit of an aging core. Uh, Luka Modric is a fantastic footballer who's been playing for I think like at least 15 years at a, at a, at a top flight level. Um, but he had a, a kind of a, a, to use a big word, a languid performance, looked strangely poor. Uh, and some of the other um, older Croatian stars around him uh, looked a little bit slow and tired. Um, so to Chris's point, I, I, I think they, they should be a little bit worried going into their next game. Cause I, I think they were kind of lucky here. Um, the, and uh, to, you know, um, give a fun fact of what the World Cup is going to miss now that Japan is eliminated. Their fans, their fans are fantastic. Uh, they have uh, great spirit, and importantly, they have a commitment to sustainability. Because after every match, they clean up the stadium section. If you guys haven't seen the pictures of this, I recommend you look them up. When the games are over, the Japanese fans pick up all their trash before they leave the stadium. It's amazing. Um, so I, I saw a meme of uh, the, the the caption was. Uh, stadium workers and it was just a man crying stadium workers after japan was was eliminated and some man crying
2: yeah we um we called this out I, i'm glad you said that <clears throat> we called this out on a previous episode too right. that they've been doing this and um you know they uh fifa provide the um the fair play award at the end of the tournament and mm-hmm. this is definitely the fans could take this one uh fans have taken it in the past and um Also, their coach at the end, you know, walking down, bowing uh, to all their fans in respect um, and appreciation of them making the travel. They've just been classed the entire tournament. So, uh, again, another reason it's sad to see him go. Uh, Going in, looking at the next game, I'm going to turn it over to you,
1: Yuri. A little bit of a blowout here. Brazil versus South Korea. Um, thanks, Chris. Uh, Brazil won against South Korea 4-1. Uh, also, could have been a higher score. And to continue a theme, this is one of these games in which you know the top, uh, the top tier team, top tier team being Brazil, finally shows its quality and just you know just plays lights out. Um, Brazil scored four goals in, in the first half. Uh, the first um, just cutting through the South Korean defense and Vinicius Jr. scoring. The second, a penalty through Neymar. Uh, the third, probably the best, uh, a great individual goal uh, by Richarlison, who's already scored one great individual goal in this tournament already, uh, where he takes a ball that comes down to him, and he basically, uh, he, uh, what's called the seal dribbles it, in which he touches it with his head, uh, I believe three times, takes it down, plays to another player, gets it back, and slots it in the net. Uh, and the fourth goal, which is actually my personal favorite, uh, in which Brazil had this the sweeping team move where it goes left, right, uh, and then finally the ball drops uh, out of the sky to the midfield of Lucas Paqueta, who rifles it into the uh, into the left corner. Um, and then they uh, Brazil sort of um, took off, you know, took their foot off the pedal a little bit, um, I think kind of in deference to their opponent and also not to tire themselves out uh, and played a bit of keep away. Um South Korea, I think, had had a couple of good looks. Uh, the uh, Wolverhampton uh, striker He Chung-won hit a very nice shot uh, in the first half uh, that Allison, uh, Brazil's goalkeeper, um, had to make a, a diving save to get out. Um, um, and at that point, I think the game was, was 1-0, 2-0, so it could have made a difference, uh, but they weren't that much of an attacking threat, and ultimately get a consolation goal in and, and the second half uh, where one of their players just sort of um, wax a ball as hard as he can, and it takes a redirection and uh, goes into the Brazilian net. Um, the uh, big points uh, of this game in terms of the um, um, atmospheric points is Neymar, uh, arguably Brazil's best player, um, who had picked up an ankle injury in the first game, was finally back for this one. Uh, I think I mentioned that he, he scored the second goal of the penalty. Um, the, um, the game was a uh, basically, like the epitome of what you think Brazilian football is, which tends to be, you know, samba dancing, jogo bonita, the beautiful game, where you just think of like this like wonderful individual skill, where these guys are just having so much fun on the pitch. Uh, and th- this this game was an encapsulation of that. You just saw some some great moves, some wonderful skill, uh, and uh, dancing after after the end of every goal. So apparently, Brazil has a dance for every goal celebration. Uh, according to Richarlison, they have something like 10. The way this game was going, I thought they were going to go through every single goal cele- dance-like goal celebration that they had. Um, this is actually something of a sore spot in the English media where several English pundits have just gone ballistic at Brazilian players for uh, dancing or showing a little bit of flair in their movement. Uh, and so I can just imagine, actually it happened, Roy Keane, the uh, uh, former Manchester United Irish midfielder, um, basically compared to what he was watching to, to a dancing show, uh, that runs in, uh, UK primetime. Um, and so it was just, uh, it was joyous to watch. I don't think it was disrespectful. I think, you know, they just played, uh, they played their best self. Uh, and to me, Brazil is, was my world cup favorite. If I, if I really have to think about it uh, and not go with my heart, but go with my head. And I think they, they just showed to me why, um, why I rate them so highly. Um, South Korea. Um, kudos to them again, there's another team that really punched above their weight, particularly given the group that they were in um, in a very competitive group with Portugal, with Uruguay, with Ghana. Um, you know I think much like with with Australia against Argentina, you know they just this is a game where um, or the US against Netherlands, uh, this is a game where the other team just simply had had more quality and, uh, and uh, capitalized that and in the end that made the difference. Um, but uh, but, you know, great showing of them in this World Cup, I think.
2: Yeah, I don't have a ton to add here. You know, I think um, <clears throat> the dancing portion, not disrespectful at all. That's their style, right? That's where they come from. They they love to to celebrate their victories. Natural thing to do. Definitely not a sign of disrespect. Uh, I thought. I I predicted a scoreline similar to this, I believe. I didn't think South Korea really had it in them when it came to facing up against Brazil. Um, Brazil have looked dominant in this tournament, I think, to Yuri's point. uh, You know, there were really two contenders in my mind of who would take this tournament. It was Brazil and Argentina. I picked Argentina. This is all said before any games played. If I'm to re-pick that now, I'm picking Brazil. They look much stronger than Argentina at the moment. Um, Argentina just don't have the same fluidity, frankly, uh, that Brazil do on the attacking front. Um, And Brazil, frankly, have been, you know, uh, stronger or more stout in their defense, Um, which they have historically been as well when you're comparing South American teams. But uh, kudos to them. Uh, South Korea, again, you know, they were happy to make it here. Uh, maybe they'll be disappointed that they didn't show up a little bit more in this game, but man, if Brazil are on, they're on, you can't do too much about it. Frankly. Um, I I found this little tidbit earlier today. Brazil is the only team in the tournament to have played every single player on their roster. All 26 players have made an appearance in one game in this tournament Um, that shows their depth and their quality that they're able to do that and really turn it on in every single game. So uh, that's a great anecdote of just how good this entire team is, let alone the people on the field. Quality on the bench is incredible as well. Um, So, yeah, uh, again, uh, scoreline, it was pretty predictable. Um, South Korea will be happy, disappointed in the last game, but they'll be happy to where they made it. Um, So on to the games today. Um, I'm reacting a little bit more real time here uh, and I'll take the first game, which is the biggest upset of the tournament, um, which there have been a lot this year. I had somebody ask me uh, not a week ago, is this the tournament that's had the most upsets? And my answer was, boy, that's a really subjective question. And yes, (laughs) it is. Um, Morocco versus Spain. Uh, Spain are out of the tournament uh, regular time and extra time. The score is 0-0. It heads to penalties, and Morocco beats Spain 3-0 to on penalties. Um, there's a lot of great storylines coming from this. Um, the, as, as a quick synopsis of the game, uh, the, obviously Morocco stunned Spain. Um, they reached the World Cup quarterfinals with right-back Akrof Hakimi scoring the decisive spot kick in a penalty shootout following their 0-0 draw. Hakimi scored with a Panenka for those of those for those of you that don't know what a Panenka is, it is a style of penalty kick where instead of picking a corner and really powering it past the goalkeeper, you're taking a bet that that goalkeeper is going to jump one way or the other and you just kind of dink it or loft it very softly over the line it is a move that takes skill first off you can easily screw that up um but also takes uh, a lot of bravery Uh, cojones dare dare we say uh, i was thinking of a different word that's quite similar to that but i held my tongue um uh but yeah it's exactly right um you know he good for him for doing it nobody would have expected that and that's really why it succeeded Uh, Spain missed three spot kicks and exited uh, the tournament in a 3-0 shootout defeat. Morocco made history by reaching their first quarterfinals and also becoming the first Arab nation to progress to that stage of the tournament. Quick reactions here. Wow, I was in work, not able to watch this game. I caught the the replays of it, but I'm watching, you know, just the the, uh, conjecture on my phone, the score updates. I'm actually sitting next to my Dutch colleague uh, who's a big soccer fan. And uh, I, you know, I kind of bumped him in the middle of the meeting. I was like, hey, take a look at this. And he'd like almost dropped out of his seat. Um, Nobody, nobody thought this. Uh, I think I predicted Spain to easily win this matchup. Um, Morocco, this is to say nothing poorly of Morocco. Morocco have played well throughout this tournament. Um, I think they got a little easy out through the group stage, uh, which is why I gave Spain well, I, I gave you know uh Spain the uh easy win here, but Morocco to their credit really stood up to Spain. Morocco had been playing well through this entire tournament. They carried it through the round of 16. They have quality, not as much or recognizable as uh you would see with an English or a French or a Brazilian roster. Um, But they have two, three individual players who are incredible and have been really helping the team through. Um, This is to say nothing about the quality of the rest of their roster. Um, That has been, you know, really well organized, stuck to the task the coaches give them. They've been really fun to watch. Um, Spain. Boy, wow. There's going to be a lot in the Spanish headlines uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, This is This is the penultimate collapse of the tournament. Um, Spain haven't looked the most promising. They haven't looked the most convincing. You could argue that they look the prettiest, right? They're fun to watch. They're fluid. Um, You know, the big question mark that they've had throughout the entire tournament is where are the goals coming from? uh, When Alvaro Morata is your center forward that doesn't say a lot about your striking options... um, do credit to Murata; he's done decent through this tournament. Um, he's always he's never been rated a top tier striker. He's a good striker. He's always been playing on top tier teams. He's just never crept into that quality of like a Lewandowski, um, you know, or an Ibrahimovic, for example. Um, he's always just been sort of rated as second tier. Um, that's that showed today, unfortunately for them um but that being said you'd think that spain would find a way to score some goals with the they have quality across the entire pitch throughout their midfield um so yeah massive upset here um i i don't really have anything else to say like i morocco is is my underdog tournament for the team from now on i'd love to see them get out of the quarterfinals the big question mark they have now is like you know it's their energy reserves Um, they haven't made a ton of changes from game to game. These guys are going to be tired. They're going to be exhausted, and they're just going to play more challenging opponents. Morocco would be happy even if they uh, uh, lost their quarterfinal because of how they have played and made it through this tournament. Yuri, your thoughts. Yeah.
1: Um, so I watched this game. I think this was a bit m- more of the, uh, I would say, probably the dullest of the, of the round of 16. Even though it goes to penalties, which are commonly considered, you know, very exciting. Um, I, I think you know Morocco had a very nice defensive performance. They just snuffed out um, Spain. Spain, you know, just didn't really didn't create anything. Um, it got a little interesting towards the end of, of extra time um, before going to penalties. Spain, I, I think they did themselves no favors in setting up for the game because there are a couple uh, lineup changes uh, and they seem to to shuffle things around. They put Morata in who, uh, you know, to Chris's point is is never, quote unquote, world-class striker. He's a great striker. Um, And he's been getting the goals really coming off the bench rather than starting. Um, And him starting, he didn't really make the difference. Um, Interestingly, Spain have had like a bit of a problem at right back. um, You know, this game, they also, they put in, uh, Llorente, um, uh, a guy who usually plays, plays center back or he plays midfield, and they put him in a, in a kind of unfamiliar position. Uh, and Spain have been trying to fill this hole because people are either too old or injured or not used to playing it. And in Morocco, they actually have an exceptional right back, uh, Ashraf Hakimi, who Chris mentioned, who was actually originally born in Madrid, Spain. Um, but um, out of um, basically a kinship with his parents, he declared for Morocco. Um, and you can just see how much, how much his, his, his Penenka goal meant to him today. Uh, and you wonder what, what, where the Spain team would be if they had someone like Hakimi in there to, to plug that hole. Um, you know, kind of like J- Japan, Spain had just some, some really kind of questionable, not well done uh, penalty kicks. Um, Morocco's goalkeeper, uh, Bono, um, great name, uh, love you too. Um, he uh, plays actually in, in the Spanish league, in La Liga, And during the penalty, you could see him, I love when goalkeepers do this, when they talk uh, shit to to the penalty taker as they're about to take it to psych them out, he was doing it with every single Spanish taker um, and even basically goading them into where they were going to shoot um, and guessing actually correctly every single time, um, which is quite funny to see. Um, You know, Spain, I think they still have a fairly young generation with uh, players like Gavi and Pedri um, so, you know, the, the, you know, like just with like America, you know, the next tournament, they'll be a bit more mature. We'll see what, what, how they progress then. Um, but it does feel like that they could have done more of this tournament, especially given the quality they showed in their first game. Morocco. I mean, you know, it's an amazing story. It, it would be if, if every game that they've won. Uh, people in Morocco and Moroccan immigrants in Western Europe have been going nuts. So I can only imagine the scenes if they win the quarterfinals. Um, so you know, I, I think you know, they're 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 probably the neutral's favorite, I'd have to say.
2: Yeah, I uh, will just round this out and say I do not share your same enthusiasm for you two. So anyway, uh, <laughs> good a good segue into the uh, the last game. Yuri, take us through uh,
1: Portugal versus Switzerland. Yeah, so Portugal, Switzerland, 6-1, the biggest bloodbath of the round of 16. Uh, The um, storyline going into this game was uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, who has been perpetually in the headlines, um, CR7 as he is known. Um, Depending on your viewpoint, he's either the greatest footballer ever or he is a massive prima donna. Um, he, Yuri, had, by way of context, we have been referring to him as Ronnie, Oh, Ron, Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie, I, I'm not going to use my nickname of CR 37 here. Um, <laughs> uh, Ronnie, big, big Ron. Um, he has been making news for falling out with his club, um, with being kind of, dare I say, petulant, um, and sort of prioritizing himself over the team. And there were a couple of scenes in uh, the Portugal South Korea game where it seemed like he um, sort of brushed off his coach and brushed off the fans and his other team. And so he was benched for this game, which was a big shocker. Uh, He did not start. He ultimately comes off the bench in the, I think, the the 70th, 75th minute, uh, by by which point the game is already, um, I I think it was already 4 1, 5 1 by that point. Um, but without Ronaldo in the lineup, they actually looked way better than what they do with him. Um, Gonzalo Ramos, um, who is a, if you watch the Portuguese League, uh, which I assume many people don't, because I have literally no idea where you could watch it in the United States. Um, he plays for Benfica, which is one of the big clubs of Lisbon. He started in place of Ronaldo and scored a hat trick. Um, and, you know, with the first goal, um, Scores a really, really brilliant goal where he takes it on a turn and rockets it into, into the near top corner. Uh, and that basically changed the, the complexion of the game. You know, the Swiss team, they're very good. Um, they were good at keeping their shape um, in, the, in, their, in their group games. And as soon as, you know, Portugal scored a goal, they had to go for it. And they basically opened themselves to the counterattack. Uh, and Portugal hit them not once. Not twice, not three times, not four times, not five times, but six times with these well-worked counter-attack goals. Um, this was, you know, again to continue with theme. This is probably the best I've seen Portugal play in this tournament, uh, and leaves a, a question for the for the Portuguese manager of, you know, it seemed like it was a, a good decision to drop Ronaldo. They played much more fluid, they were much more positive, much quicker. Uh, and you wonder if for the next game he's going to keep Ronaldo on the bench uh, again. Um, uh, it, it, I'd be curious to see. Apparently, there were some also some, um, you know, Ronaldo Ronaldo drama at the end where he uh, appeared to ignore his teammates and the manager after briefly clapping the fans and walking off. So the the Cristiano show, even if he's not playing, even if he's not having a good game, it, it goes on. Um, but I, I think this Portugal team. Um, they're, they're fairly well balanced and they have a lot of really great technical players, Chow Felix, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Nevesh, um, uh, Raphael Liao. There's a there's real, real wealth of talent, um, that's, that's come out in this tournament. Yeah, that's a awesome synopsis.
2: I don't have a ton to add, not a big Ronnie fan. Um, glad to see him on the bench. Um, thought that Switzerland would put up a little bit more of a fight here, frankly. Um, They've got more quality uh, on the field than the scoreline reflects. Portugal, on the other hand, have the quality to be able to do this. Um, I'll uh, just switch it quickly over to um, some uh, just a couple of uh, refereeing uh, stats here. Uh, So as the, uh, I guess, candidate referee here, And uh, a proud USA representative, Uh, the USA's representation of referees in the form Ismail Elfath and his team uh, have refereed three matches, the most recent being Japan and Croatia's exciting match decided on penalties Uh, during Cameroon versus Brazil. Elfath showed uh, Vincent Abubakar, Abubakar. (laughs) Boob, <laughs> so I, did get right,
1: right. I, I like I like a boob car better. Personally, yeah,
2: but. you a boob cars. Uh, during Cameroon versus Brazil, El Fas showed Vincent Abubakar a second yellow card for removing his shirt as he celebrated his stoppage time winner for the Indomitable Lions. But in one of the most memorable moments of the tournament so far, the referee also congratulated the player on his strike, shaking his hand before sending him off. Uh, he is now tied with former Referee Mark Geiger, uh, another popular USA referee, uh, in matches officiated at a single World Cup by an American. Will he be picked for a fourth? Interesting storyline here. uh, While Ismail Elfath uh, is um, a representative of America, he was born in Morocco. So he would not be able to referee that match simply because of his ties there, which is... Uh, a little disappointing. I think that Elfath has done a fantastic job in every single one of his games so far. Um, Forget his representation of the USA, I want to see him advance and do well there. Um, uh, Referees, uh, again, uh, Ismail here, uh, referees in the MLS, which is not a top-tier soccer league by any means in comparison to the global stage. Um, If he can get a fourth game out of this, uh, be it the Uh, Not necessarily the quarterfinals, but he could skip that and do a semifinal or the final. That would be really, really awesome to watch. I think he would deserve it as well. Uh, Not to say there haven't been other fantastic referees out there. Um, So I'll stop there. We want to get into quarterfinal conjecture and predictions. Lee, uh, please guide us through what is going to be an amazing next leg
0: of this tournament. Yeah, so the first match for the quarterfinals is going to be Croatia versus Brazil. Right now, they have Brazil predicted as a pretty heavy favorite. They are at a 77% chance to win that one. Um, And actually, they are predicted currently with the teams remaining to be the favorite to win the whole tournament, but we'll get to that at a later time. They have to still win this one to at least continue their journey. Um, I feel that that's pretty accurate. Um, Brazil is obviously looking very, very strong um the clear favorites i think based on their their performance and the teams they've gone through and they have a opponent in croatia that is relatively lucky to be here at this point like we discussed in the past um i personally think that this is going to be a pretty interesting game to watch but still brazil may be coming out with a two-goal lead um chris what do you think
2: yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, Croatia, I, I, they looked a little dogged in the last game. Good luck keeping up with Brazil, um, you know, in this next game. It's really hard to find a reason to think that Croatia will beat Brazil. Uh, if they do, big kudos to them. I think this will be uh, probably like a 3-1 to one victory Brazil over Croatia.
1: Um, yeah, I, I you know I, I think Brazil is, is the odds-on favorite, and as you mentioned, Croatia really, really looked their age um, against Japan, and Brazil are, are coming into gear. Um, I think if I were Chiche, the Brazilian manager, I would be worried about uh, Neymar in this game. Uh, Neymar has a chan- is, uh, has a tendency to pick up injuries in games where he wants to be showy, but the other team is very physical. Um, and I think the Croatian team is really not going to mess around if he tries doing uh, tricks and flicks against them, and they really should should watch that. Otherwise, I think they're going to go for his ankle the same way that Serbia did in the first game. Um, I, I think it, it'll be a fairly handy uh, Brazil victory. Uh, I, I agree with Chris. I think it's going to be it's going to be three one.
2: Yes, just wait for the storyline as Deon Lovren takes out Neymar in for the
1: rest of the tournament. <laughs> that's 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 great. World's greatest defender in
0: 2018, yes. Deon Lovren. That's right. Great. So it sounds like Brazil across the board here on this panel. Um, I'm sure many fans would agree with that. So we'll move on to the next game. The next game in queue is going to be the Netherlands versus Argentina. Um, right now, it is a relatively close game. Uh, Predictions-wise, it is not necessarily uh, heavily favored one way or the other. Argentina is coming out at a slight favorite right now with 58% chance to move on, which means the Netherlands are going to be slightly under half at 42%. Um, I feel that Argentina is really coming along right now. They're they're really putting the pieces together and and having a lot of strong showings out there. I think Messi continues his victory tour, and they're going to win this one in a pretty close match. Uh, Yuri, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going to be a crazy person uh, and go for the quote-unquote underdog. I I play with a lot of Dutch guys in in my league. I've always kind of been partial to Netherlands, so maybe it's my heart rather than my head talking. Uh, But based on sort of Argentina's. Uh, weak underbelly, um, and the fact that the Netherlands are, are very good on the counter, I'm going to go for a shock result uh, and say that uh, Netherlands actually wins this with 2-0 off of two well-time counters. Um, some interesting history here for people that don't know. This is the 1978 World Cup final all over again, and Netherlands always can consider, consider themselves kind of hard done by that World Cup final, that there was some, some funny business going on, and they were the better team than Argentina, so that's some, some other stuff undergirding this game to them
2: yeah I agree disagree with Yuri. I agree with my pick or or excuse me, I agree with Yuri's pick. Uh, I think the Netherlands will take this game. I disagree that they're necessarily the underdogs. Um, perception wise Argentina came in as a strong favorite with Brazil in this tournament, but Netherlands have looked a better team uh to date, you know, I think Argentina again versus Australia, I don't want to say they just made it out of that game, but it wasn't convincing. The Netherlands, on the other hand, have just been stepping into higher and higher gears. And I can't really isolate a, a place on the field. you could argue maybe you know your center forward uh, position where they've looked weak um anytime you know Memphis Depay showed that he's able and ready to to stake that spot I would bet my money that they start him in this game uh also Gakpo what a highlight to watch in all these games um he did not continue his scoring record of one a game uh but uh for those of those, uh, those of you that don't follow anybody aside the score lines incredibly influential uh, throughout the entire game he is uh, sort of like a Jude Bellingham in that factor. Um, driving midfielder. Uh, it, it just like all over the pitch seemingly at all times. Uh, I also just love like watching crazy tall players that uh, just look so graceful across the field. <laughs> He's a pretty tall guy. Um, you could say that about all the Netherlands players. But um, yeah, I think the Netherlands take this one. I predict a two to
0: one score one. Okay, so we got two for the Netherlands. Myself for Argentina for this match. Um, I'm just gonna add a little tidbit here. I'm always actively rooting against the teams that to knock the USA out of the tournament. So I hope the <laughs> Netherlands lose this match and then Argentina loses the following one. Doesn't it speak well <laughs> of
1: us that if Netherlands actually win the whole thing though? Doesn't that doesn't that like give a little little wind in our sails to America?
0: A little silver lining as a runner up, we have the potential to also carry our way through. Yeah, I guess so, but I'm not looking at it that way right now. Okay, next match. Morocco versus Portugal. Now, this one surprisingly isn't as one sided as I would expect, as well. I mean, Portugal is the favorite here at 68%, Morocco at 32% to make the semifinals. Uh, Morocco has been the clear uh, Cinderella story here so far in the tournament. Um, but Portugal's also got a ton of firepower and putting up a bunch of goals. Um, really interesting to see that without Ronaldo in the lineup that Portugal is even performing better. It sounds like they have a lot of flexibility with their roster. And I see them just continuing to figure it out. Um, probably winning this match by two goals, maybe another three to one here. And um, I don't know. It's it's hard to think that Morocco is going to overcome this talented squad. Chris, your thoughts?
2: I'm going to be the one to say it. I think Morocco is going through. I'm picking them. Uh, this is going with my heart and not with my head. Um, I I agree with um, uh, Lee's assessment, um, but again, I don't think any one of us here can really poke holes in Morocco at the moment. You could poke holes in their roster and their perceived lineups, but through every game, they've showed that they're a great team. Cool. Um, are Portugal likely to win? Yes. Do I want them to win because they have Ronnie on the team? No. So
1: yeah, Morocco is going to take this. Uh, let's say uh, fifteen to two. Um, I, as much as it would be awesome for Morocco to go forward, I, I think you know to your point, Chris, they they have some weathered legs. Um, they, uh, I think, in the game um, in the game today, uh, Roman Seiss looked to have picked up an injury. A bunch of mm. other people look looked completely knackered. Um, I still think they're going to be very stout defensively and cause Portugal a lot of problems. But uh, in my crystal ball, I'm thinking Portugal is going to break their hearts at like the worst moment. And it's going to be a 1-0 victory to Portugal. Oh, you're probably right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, This is going to be a really fun game to watch. I think uh, anything goes in this one. I think anytime Morocco participates in the match, we really don't know what's going to happen. And uh, they've kind of proven it all the way here. yeah i I like seeing underdog stories obviously the further along the tournament goes, it's so much harder for them to win, but I will never be disappointed if you know the underdog pulls it out so we'll we'll stay tuned to that one. that would be another one to follow okay, and last but not least, our final match of the quarterfinals it's gonna be England versus france um this one is as tight as it gets. I'm looking at the the um I'm looking at the predictions that are for the semis, the finals, and the winning the whole thing. And both teams actually have very similar percentages. Um, Is a 52% chance for England, 48% chance for France. And they, again, have equal odds moving on to the rest of the tournament. Um, this one's going to be pretty cool. I honestly have no idea what's going to happen in this game. Both teams are looking really strong right now um as i mentioned in the last episode i kind of have another reason for rooting for france so i'm going to continue that train i'm yeah. just going to stick to france and say for no particular reason other than i am going to stick to my gut from last episode <laughs> yuri what are your thoughts
1: yeah um i think this could be probably the most entertaining game of the actual uh, maybe i'll chew my words on uh was both teams played uh, very open free flowing football in their past matches um and i think there's going to be a lot of counter attacking going back and forth um this this could be a goal fest i think um particularly killing mbappe running against them some of the english defenders um and 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 vice versa uh and you know uh, uh, rashford or uh, or bellingham running against the french defense um I think, though, France ultimately has a bit more steel, more resiliency, more experience. Uh, and I think that they're going to win. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to be 3-2. And sorry to all the English fans that I don't think it's coming home. And hopefully it's never coming home.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was talking with a coworker, uh, my Dutch coworker, earlier today. And we were talking with uh, another co-worker who um, just didn't know a whole lot about soccer. Who was asking some uh, salient questions he was like we were talking about england and i was like god i hope they don't win it he was like oh well, who are they playing and i had to look it up i wasn't quite certain and then i saw england versus france and i was like no way what a match like this i am very much looking forward to this match i will say between the four games we have this is likely to be the most attractive i think it has the potential to be just as close in my mind as netherlands versus argentina but both of those teams play intrinsically differently, right? Uh, England versus France, is, as Yuri noted, they have the opportunity to just take it to each other, like just exchanging boxing blows over and over again. Um, I uh, also agree with Yuri's assessment. I think France, uh, they're the title holders at the moment. Um, I think England, um, France just have slightly more quality. You know, in my mind, I think that they win this. I think, honestly, that they win it 3-1. to I don't think England take their chances.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. Um, We kind of wrapped up the predictions for the quarterfinals. we got four really, really great games coming along. Um, I just want to close out with one really interesting tidbit here. Um, There has been one team from every group that's advanced to this point, with the exception of Group E also known as the group of death. So that namesake is held true for the two teams that had to bow out. So that would have been Spain and Japan. You know, they were did really well to make it out of their group, but both lost in that first round of the knockout stage. Um, sad to see them go. Good job, Group F, for holding on strong. Morocco and Croatia both advancing to this point. But as we've discussed, probably unlikely that they'll move on to the next round. Um, but, you know, that's pretty cool. It's of cool to see that um it's a very balanced way of doing the group stages it's like that the talent really shines and comes on through so it 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 works the format works yeah yeah that's
2: super surprising i'm glad you brought that up not only were uh japan and spain in there but also germany who were you know some said uh favorites to win the tournament um <laughs> or, or maybe predicted to win the tournament um but yeah, that is astounding. This everybody looked on this as paper when these were released that this was the worst group to be in playing would be the most competitive. <laughs> Nobody has advanced out of the round of 16. That is astounding to me.
0: So that's going to wrap it up here for this week and we will follow up probably after the semis are complete and we'll do a finals preview. And then after that, we'll do a finals recap. So enjoy the games this week. Uh, We'll catch you guys after these games are done. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.